subject this evening is the certainty of prophecy. In these meetings the theme has been various aspects of prophecy. And I have chosen the certainty of prophecy. And I could of course take that as a full subject. I could uh, go on to say that, the, that prophecy is certain because the promiser is true. Because he is completely sovereign, infinitely wise, and all-powerful to bring to pass that which he has promised. But there's one aspect I want to dwell on tonight, and that is where uninstructed believers and the man in the street might be confused and might find it difficult to understand what the Bible teaches. And that is something that we got in our two readings. Um, in the 72nd Psalm it says, In his day, in Messiah's day, the righteous shall flourish, and there shall be an abundance of peace, while moons shall wax and wane. And in Isaiah chapter 9, it says there shall be no end of the increase of his government and of peace upon the kingdom, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever. The, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And men look around at the present situation with the economies of the world spiralling out of control. With East versus West, the Muslim, mostly Muslim East, and the nominally Christian West in constant conflict. And they look at the arms race, not merely the conventional arms race, but the nuclear arms race. And they see the nations armed to the teeth and set for war. And they look at Afghanistan and they look at Iraq and they see these things and they say, well, where is this kingdom, this universal reign of peace, this time of prosperity and plenty and the peace of God reigning? Where is it? Now, I want to say to you that the key is in the two advents. You see, in the... Um, 24th of Luke on the Emmaus Road, the Lord Jesus gave us the key to the whole situation. Those disconsolate disciples were looking for redemption by power. They said this is the third day since these things happened and we thought that this had been he that should have redeemed Israel. And the Lord said to the more foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Should not Christ have suffered these things and then enter into his glory? 1 Peter 5. Peter tells his fellow elders he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ as he will be a partaker of the glories that shall follow. You see, in prophecy, very often, you get the, the two advents merged. It's like looking through a telescope at two mountain peaks from a distance. And you get what the scholars call the prophetic perspective. And the two mountain peaks seem to merge into one. And the valley between is completely hidden to view. 
You see, when the Lord came the first time, he came to suffer. This is what the Jews stumbled at. They could not accept a suffering Messiah, but only a glorious Messiah. But the two advents are the key to unlocking the scriptures. And we find this, that when the Lord comes back a second time, with every adjunct of publicity and manifested glory, he will come to set up his kingdom and he will usher in that universal reign of peace. He will bring to this warring earth that peace that has been promised and it is as certain as the promiser is true. It is as certain as prophecy is given by divine inspiration and uh, is an infallible rule of faith and practice. But the first movement, the first movement in bringing in, in ushering in that millennial Sabbath, that universal reign of peace, the first thing that will happen, my friend, is the conversion of the Jew. Is the removal of the veil from Israel. Is the taking away of the stony heart of unbelief, replacing it with a heart of flesh. When he puts his spirit within them and opens their eyes to see in the Lord Jesus the one whom they rejected but who has been crucified on Calvary for them. And uh, then the Jew will bring blessing to the Gentile. In the, the 15th chapter of the book of the Acts we find James at the Council of Jerusalem is uh, expounding Amos chapter 9. And he tells us that there is a present work of God going on. He's visiting the nations to take out of them a people for his name. And then after these things, after this, he says, I will return. And uh, he says he will establish the tabernacle of David which had fallen down. He will repair its breaches. He will raise it up, he will set it up. That is to say the Davidic kingdom will be again established. To what end and purpose? That uh, the residue of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles over whom my name is called. (coughs) So Israel is first blessed and then blessing goes out to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the saved nations. Paul says the same thing in the 11th of Romans. Paul says there in Romans that the setting aside of Israel was the reconciliation of the world. Their setting aside, their blindness, their hardness was the reconciliation of the Gentile world and it brought the riches of salvation to the Gentiles. So Paul reasons And what shall their receiving back be but life from the dead? Global blessing, universal, worldwide blessing to the nations after that the fullness of the Gentiles is come in. Ethnic Israel shall be saved in the mass and the upshot of that will be further blessing to the Gentiles, life from the dead, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ on a global scale. Now, I want to de- having laid that foundation, I want to deal 
with the salvation of Israel and the conversion of the, of the house of Israel. Some of our brethren who do not agree with us on prophecy say that we teach a different way of salvation for Israel because there is an element of sight. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced, for instance. And that we know that faith is conjoined with sight in that conversion of the nation which we shall come to in a moment. But uh, I want to say to you this, and it's something that you ought to mark well. You can go back into antediluvian times before the flood. You can think of the patriarchal era. You can look at the mosaic dispensation. You can think of the millennial era or the present day. The agencies of salvation are just the same. There is one gospel and there is one way of salvation. Now, in Zechariah 12 through 14, we learn how that Israel will be converted. We learn there that they shall look upon him whom they have pierced when his feet stand upon the Mount of Olives. And God shall pour out upon them the spirit of grace and supplication for more grace. And they shall be brought to an evangelical repentance. And they shall mourn for him as for an only one. And they shall be in bitterness for him as for a firstborn. And every class of society will mourn. Every class of society will mourn apart, says uh, those scriptures in Zechariah. And they shall come to this evangelical repentance. And the veil shall be taken from their eyes. And they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And uh, it says in, the, in that scripture also, And there shall be for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem a fountain open for sin and for all uncleanness. And that is a sort of echo of the water of separation in Numbers 19. That where the red heifer had been slain and the, the water of separation had flowed over the sacrifice of the red heifer. And it was kept for a sprinkling of the unclean for him who was defiled by the touch of death. And it shall not be otherwise with Israel in that coming day. They shall experience that open fountain. They shall know what it is to experience the washing of water that is in the world. They shall know the Spirit of God by the Word of God conveying to them the redemptive power of the work of Christ. And they shall be sanctified in perpetuity by that one offering once forever offered on Calvary. But efficaciously it shall be opened to them in that coming day. And they shall, in the terms of Isaiah 53... They shall remember that they, uh, they esteemed him smitten of God, stricken of God, smitten and afflicted. He was a man of sorrows and griefs acquaintance. And they did not esteem him and they hid their faces from him. And they thought that he was under the rod of God. But they shall say, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement due for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And uh, so it is that they shall experience 
the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And God shall write his laws livingly in their hearts and put them into their minds and into their hearts. And they shall do his work and they shall do his will. So they shall receive him. And uh, there will be this wonderful conversion of the nation. And the veil shall be taken from the heart and it shall turn unto the Lord. And they shall embrace him. And that will be the start of this wonderful time of peace and plenty, prosperity that shall come. That kingdom that has been promised and is certain as prophecy is certain. And we know that what God has promised and what God has pledged, he will bring to pass. Now, the question is, uh, how will Israel appropriate that peace that has been procured for them. The chastisement due for our peace was upon him when his soul was made a guilt offering for sin. When Jehovah, the sin-hating God, made to meet upon him the iniquity of us all. How will they appropriate that which he has procured for them? Well, for that you have to go into what the scholars call the little apocalypse of Isaiah. The 24th chapter of Isaiah. Uh, I'm not going to read from it by the way. You can read these scriptures when you get home. But the 24th chapter of Isaiah through to the 27th chapter. Shows you how Israel will be blessed. And will experience blessing. And then the nations in the train of that. Will be brought into fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now in the 24th chapter of Isaiah, we learn how that the Lord will establish and inaugurate his kingdom. He, um, he first of all will judge. He'll judge the host of high ones, it says, that are on high, and the kings of the earth that are upon the earth. And then in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, he will inaugurate his kingdom. And so great will be the effulgence. And so Great will be the brilliance of that glory that will there be established and the outshining of it that the moon shall be confounded and the sun shall be ashamed and he shall reign before his ancients gloriously. And then in the 25th chapter we learn that God is going to prepare a gospel feast for the nations. A feast of fat things full of marrow and wine on the lees well refined is the imagery. And he's going to take the covering that is over all the nations. He's going to take it away. And he's going to take away the veil that is over all nations. And there shall be the word go out concerning that gospel feast that he will then prefer, prepare in the kingdom. Come, for all things are now ready. And it says he shall take away the reproach of his people Israel. And he shall swallow up death in victory. And in that day Israel shall say, this is our God and we have waited for him. This is Jehovah and we have waited for him. This is our God and we have waited for him and he will save us. This is Jehovah and we have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And then it continues in the 26th chapter 
This is how Israel will appropriate that peace that has been procured for them. In that day, says the 26th chapter, in that day in the land of Judah, they shall sing this song. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates and the righteous nation that keeps the truth will enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in Jehovah forever is the word. For in the Lord, Jah Jehovah is everlasting strength. Or the rock of ages. So they will appropriate that peace that has been uh, procured for them by the work of Christ upon the cross. And the means will be by faith. And the provision will be made by God. And they will appropriate it in that day. And they will come into the peace of God. That perfect peace. There in the Hebrew, in the 26th chapter, it says, Thou wilt keep him in shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Hence, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And they shall then find out and enter into what the Christian church has been singing all along. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed. Finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Now, how shall that peace be maintained? During the whole of the millennial reign and on into eternity, into the dispensation of the fullness of the times. How will it be maintained? I want to suggest to you it will be by the ministries of Christ. And it will be by the officers that he, full, that he fills and sustains in that coming day. Now you know, it will exercise a shepherd care towards Israel. And then towards the nations. Um, we read about this in quite a few places in the scripture. And I'm going to take you to one or two of them tonight and you can read them up when you get home. But uh, we know him as our shepherd now, don't we? We sing with the children, Jesus is our shepherd. Well, we know his voice. But you know, he's also the shepherd of Israel, Psalm 80. Mm. He's, 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 the, he's the shepherd of Israel. And that psalm says this. All thou shepherd of Israel give ear. Thou who ledest uh, Joseph like a flock, thou art enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth and stir up the might of thy strength and cause thy face to shine upon us and come and save us. So we know him as our shepherd. We know him as the good shepherd who died. We know him as the great shepherd of the sheep brought from the dead by the God of peace in virtue of the blood of the everlasting covenant, to make us perfect in every good work, and to work in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. We know him as the chief shepherd, who shall return to reward all those faithful under-shepherds, those pastors and teachers, and leaders and guides, and bishops and elders, who have cared for the flock of God, and he'll give them a crown of glory that shall never fade away. But we say, he's not only our shepherd now, but he's the shepherd of Israel. And they call upon him there, in their extremities, to come and to stir up the might of his strength 
and to shine forth and to save them. And it's the same in Jeremiah. Jeremiah reminds us in the light of the new covenant in chapter 31. In the light of that new covenant that he speaks about there where God is going to write his laws in the hearts of, of the people of Israel. He says, he says listen you nations and, and the isles that are afar off. He that scattered Israel shall gather him again and he shall keep him like a shepherd does his flock. And uh, we read in Ezekiel that he's the one shepherd who shall be set up over them. And he will do that as the second David, great David's greater son. And he will do it in a servant capacity. And in chapter 37, that's chapter 34. But in chapter 37 is the one king who's set up over them, the second David. And uh, he will be a shepherd king to Israel in that day. And it says he will search out his sheep. And he will lead them out. And he will deliver them and he will save them and he will feed them and he will rest them. And he will be to them the true shepherd of Israel. And uh, we get uh, Micah chapter 5, for instance. That's, that's a marvellous chapter. Thou Bethlehem Ephrata, thou art little among the thousands of Judah, but out of thee he shall come to me that shall be ruler in Israel. Listen. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So as the one who comes forth out of Bethlehem Judah, Bethlehem Ephrata, to God to be ruler, is perfect man. His goings forth were from of old, from everlasting. So is verily God. Mm. The God man, the saviour of the world. And then we come on a few verses and it says, He shall stand in the strength of Jehovah. And in the name, the majesty of the name of Jehovah his God, he shall feed his flock. And then the Gentiles shall be blessed. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. And what is the climax and the summary? And this man shall be peace. And so we get the universal reign of peace brought in. Israel shepherded and blessed. Israel saved and secured. And then we get the Gentiles brought into blessing as a consequence. Boundary. In the book of Zechariah, we learn of two more offices that Christ fills and sustains. We go to chapter 6 and the Lord says, Behold the man whose name is the branch. It's a very famous word in the Hebrew Bible, Zamak. The man whose name is the branch. He's the servant, the branch, in chapter 3. In Isaiah 4, is the branch of Jehovah because he's the son of God. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch of David, because he's great David's greater son. And he's not only the son of God, but he's the son of man. And the coming king, the one who is going to reign. But in Zechariah chapter 6, it is said, Behold the man whose name is the branch. He shall bear the glory, and he shall build the temple. 
even he shall bear the glory and build the temple of the Lord. Now that word there is very interesting. That word for bear the glory. Because it's the very word that's used in 1 Chronicles 29 when Solomon sat upon the throne of Jehovah. And when he had bestowed upon him more royal and regal majesty than any of the kings of Israel that went before. And this is the same word used of the branch. The branch of Jehovah. The branch of David. The servant, the branch. This is the same word that's used. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And it's said there that he shall rule upon his throne. Because he shall be a king. And he shall not only be a king, but he shall be a priest. He shall fulfill the Melchizedek promises. King of righteousness and king of peace. And he shall sit upon his throne and rule. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. And he shall bring the kingly and the priestly officers together. And it says the council of peace shall be between them both. Now friend, that council of peace I shall deal with in a minute. But who is between them both? Who are the parties? I take it it's Jehovah and his anointed. But the council of peace, I think, is that when the Lord comes and he unites in himself those two offices of priest and king, the great secret is that he's going to unite the secular and the sacred and he's going to abolish all distinctions. And in that day, every place will be hallowed ground. Every menial task in the common realm will be weighed in the light of eternity and weighed in the balances of the sanctuary. And uh, what Rome has been doing for centuries, pilfering millennial texts and having a mock millennium, trying to bring the secular realm under the power of the religious, and Calvin's Geneva was such another attempt, and every national church is such another attempt, but when the Lord does it, it will be perfectly done. And the secular and the sacred shall be joined together. And every aspect of life, the outward and the inward, shall be brought together and consecrated to the Lord. And on the bridles, says Zechariah, and the bells of the horses and the common pots of the temple shall be inscribed that which was reserved for the mitre of the high priest it was written upon the mitre of the high priest holiness to Jehovah and there shall be no more a trafficker in the house of the Lord and he will turn to this people he says a pure lip a pure language that they might call upon Jehovah and that they might serve him with one consent and then in that day when the Lord brings the secular and the sacred together and abolishes all distinctions and makes every place hallowed ground. When all service will be rendered unto God under the power of faith. In that coming day we will find that that prayer that the Lord taught us to pray will be brought to pass. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And men shall do the will of God and they shall do it spontaneously. They'll do it willingly. They'll do it universally and they'll do it perpetually. And they'll bring glory to the Lord in all that they do. When the Lord Jesus in those two offices 
and in the office of shepherd brings together into all the realms of God when he brings together uh, those things that are secular under the sacred and makes everything serve the purpose of God and the divine will. Just a thought then about the king and his kingdom before we close the meeting. We have read that Psalm 72. It tells us some wonderful truths about the person and work of Christ. What does it tell us? It tells us of his righteous character. Of his wonderful just administration. Of his infinite compassion. Especially for the poor of the flock and the downtrodden. It tells us of his salvation for the needy. Of his redemptive power for those who stand in need of it. It tells us that he shall live in the power of an indissoluble and endless life. And that his name shall be great while the sun and the moon endure. That in his name the righteous shall flourish and the abundance of peace. Till the moon shall wax and wane. And while ever the sun and the moon exist. And men shall bless themselves in him. And all nations shall call him blessed. And the worshipful gift of the gold of Sheba shall be offered to him. And prayer shall be made for him continually. And every day shall he be praised. Isn't it wonderful? Every day shall he be praised. And... Uh, even Tarshish and the Western Isles shall bring their gifts. And the kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. That is to say, I think, Arabia and Africa. And if we want to add Psalm 68, Ethiopia shall stretch out its hands speedily to God. And then we learn, as, as we go down the psalm, um, uh, what the Lord does there. He brings all nations into blessing. And all, all the nations call him blessed. Men bless themselves in him. And it's uh, a wonderful climax when we get to the end of the psalm. Um, we see there that he evokes from the hearts of men. And elicits from the hearts of men this pean of praise. Blessed be Jehovah God, the God of Israel. And blessed be his glorious name forever, who alone doeth wondrous things. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. And amen. And so it is, my friend, that Jesus shall reign. Wherever so doth his successive journey run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore, till moon shall wax and wane no more. Let every creature rise and bring peculiar honours to our King. Angels descend with songs again, and earth send back the long, the loud. Amen. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.